This is the Fitting In Podcast, where we help you make sense of the health and fitness world and condense it down into actionable steps so that you can spend less time consuming research and more time enjoying the activities that you love. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our free resource, the PR Life Roadmap. In this guide, we give you all the tools that you need to kickstart your health and fitness lifestyle. Whether you're working out through an injury, figuring out your fitness routine, or optimizing your fitness lifestyle, this guide is for you. All you have to do is go to our website, www.theperformancerepublic.com, and sign up for updates to receive your free copy of the PR Life Roadmap today. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the Healthy 210 Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Stairs. And my guest today is CrossFit Games athlete and current coach at the Fit Stop in San Antonio, Sheila Barden. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so can we get a little bit of your background? Obviously, the, your name in itself is pretty big in the CrossFit community. Um, <laughs> Used to be. The, <laughs> still, have been. Still it's fine. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so for those who um, maybe don't know your background, can you give us a little bit of a history of you know your background in crossfit and where you are today cool so i started crossfit because i saw reruns of the crossfit games the 2011 crossfit games on espn and um, i was watching these girls do all these crazy things but one of the events was called the killer cage it was front squats monkey bars and air bike so i think assault bike but it was a schwinn bike at the time and the exact quote uh, with the people that I was with was, I don't know why those girls get to be on TV and I don't because I can do that shit. <laughs> so that was a Friday. Um, that following Monday, I went to the only CrossFit gym in Syracuse, New York at the time. It was called CrossFit Do It. Yeah. Started CrossFit um, in 2011. Qualified for my first CrossFit regionals, the Northeast in 2012. So less than a year later. Um, qualified for my first CrossFit Games in 2014. Um, subsequently, the year after that, missed qualifying by one spot. The year after that, re-qualified, won my region, which was when then when it was Super Regionals in 2016. Um, competed again in 2017 at Regionals, but tore my rotator cuff while at Regionals. Finished the event, missed qualifying by two spots. And at that time, I was stupid enough that had I actually qualified, I still would have competed even with a torn um, supraspinatus. My infraspinatus was all jacked up. AC joint was full of fluid. It was awesome. Um, Rehabbed through that 2018, moved down to Houston just before season started. Qualified with Team Don't Stop for the 2018 CrossFit Games. Um, Had an emergency back surgery two weeks after that Games. Um, Since then, I've had another back surgery. Um, in June of this year. Um, so I competed for a total of eight seasons, a long time. And then now I'm the head coach at Fitstop. And to be honest, people ask me all the time if I want to compete again. And I mean, the, I don't think the drive ever goes away. If you're competitive, you always want right. to compete. But at the same time, uh, I mean, I just, I'd rather be out of pain Yeah. right now. So sure. I don't know. I never say never, but <laughs> I can't. I mean, I don't see myself competing at a high Super high level anytime soon. Got it. Got it. A lot to kind of unpack with all that, right? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> all of those could be 90 minute podcasts in the South. Each one is its own story. 
For sure. So one thing I do kind of want to touch on is you mentioned you've moved kind of a lot throughout your career and things like that. What's been spurring those moves and why did you pick the places you picked? Um, you know, I just honestly, I just have a real gypsy heart. I like <laughs> to move. I like seeing different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, some of the time I would move because um, coaches mm -hmm. and I would want to train under a certain coach. Sometimes I would move because I wanted to be around different athletes to train with. Um, sometimes I would just move to move just to see what would happen. Yeah. Um, so I lived in 11 states in 11 years, um, all by choice, nice. all <laughs> because I wanted to. Yeah. Um, never because I had to. And I don't know. I like, I like, I had a lot of really great experiences in all the places. And I'm a big believer that when, I learned everything that I was supposed to learn wherever I'm at. Then I don't know. My, my heart tells me that it's time to go somewhere else. And then I just pack up and move. Yeah, for sure. So, so fast forward to kind of today and moving into your most current move to San Antonio. What was there any kind of big reason for that back in February to come down to San Antonio? So I'd lived in Houston um, for 10 or 11 months training with the team. Yeah. Um, I had back surgery in Dallas then I continued to live in Houston for a month after that with mm -hmm. um, some really good friends, lived with their family. They kind of took care of me, went back up to Nebraska. I got my house ready to sell, sold my house in Nebraska. And then I knew I wanted to come back to Texas. Yeah. Um, but Houston never really felt like home. It was always just Houston's cool. I love visiting Houston, but it never felt like home. I have a lot of friends here in San Antonio. So I'd been to San Antonio a bunch. I decided, I was like, well, I mean, I've never lived in San Antonio. Let's see what this is all about. <laughs> Um, so I did a little bit of research. I knew I wanted to live on the north side, and now here we are. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. Such a cool, that's a, such a cool story. Um, with your injuries that you could mention too, and obviously uh, us being physical therapists, we mm -hmm. always want to touch on injuries. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about your back surgery and your kind of experience with that? Yeah, sure, no problem. So um, when I was young, when I was thirteen, I was in a really bad car accident. I was actually um, on a school bus. I got hit, and then we tipped. So I flew from one side of the bus to the other side of the bus. So I've oh actually gosh. had, yeah, I've had back problems since I was 13. Um, right after surgery, there was a like an 18 month period where I was seeing a chiropractor once a week, just yeah. trying to fix my back. Um, so we kind of always knew that I had back issues that um, that was going to be something that lingered for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I always warn people like CrossFit actually saved me. It, kept me out of back surgery for a long time. It made me so that um, my whole posterior chain was a lot stronger yeah. um, and it helped with the back pain for a long time. Then um, I, as I continued to compete, continued to compete, um, it was actually June 14th, 2018. Um, I was running a mile time trial and I was about 200 meters from the finish. Um, and I ran, an, I actually PR'd my mile time at 6.04. Right. So it's even, and, but I felt like this twing kind of down my IT band mm -hmm. and I was being a competitive athlete. I was used to just having kind of a, a pain that would come and go. Yeah. So I wasn't super concerned about it. Um, that was a Wednesday, I believe June 14th. I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday. Anyway, um, I went and I had it looked at, I had it assessed. We were like, yeah, okay. It's, you know, these exercises, whatever. I started doing some stuff. Um, yeah. By July 4th, I knew that it was no longer just, it wasn't IT band. It started shooting down past my calf into my foot. The pain did. Um, 
long story short, I continued to train for the 2018 CrossFit Games. Um, I technically had a choice, right? I could have pulled my name. The problem was, as a team, we had no alternates. So if there were four people on the team, two males, two females, had I pulled, the team wouldn't have got to go to the Games. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I was not about to do that to the team. Like, we'd worked (laughs) really hard. Um, We went into the Games, ranked third in the world. So I was like, you know what? Like, we're going to make a run at this no matter what. Yeah. Um, By about a week before the Games, I knew that I was severely injured. I knew that um, whatever was wrong with me was not going to be fixed um <laughs> by a pt it wasn't going to be fixed by a chiropractor it wasn't yeah. it just wasn't going to be fixed right. um at that point i was seeing a rasti twice a week i was seeing a physical therapist twice a week and i was seeing a separate chiropractor once a week so every day of the week wow. i was seeing someone. some someone to try and fix me i was also eating three d- tissue massages a week um and so that was for about four or five weeks leading up to the CrossFit Games. Um, yeah. I was doing everything that I could to um, just to stand up straight. Um, I was still training full on. Um, but like I said, I, at that point, um, had I gotten imaging at that point, it wouldn't have mattered. I already knew something was severely wrong and I didn't want to know what was wrong. So I had no imaging before the yeah. 2018 CrossFit Games. Um, I survived the CrossFit Games with a lot of ibuprofen, mm-hmm. a hypervolt. Uh, 24 hour a day, a Rasti care. So, yeah. and a hypervolt, or sorry, I already said hypervolt, um, ibuprofen, biofreeze, and a Rasti 24 hour care. Yeah. So, um, that is what got me through. And then just like, an, uh, basically a mentality that I would, would I wouldn't quit. I just yeah. knew that I wasn't going to quit. That was never an option. Mm-hmm. So, I got through the 2018 CrossFit Games. We finished sixth as a team. Uh, Sunday night, I went out. We had dinner as a team. Everything was good. I was in some pain, but the adrenaline uh, dump was still there. Yeah. Uh, by Monday morning, I woke up and I couldn't get out of my hotel bed. Okay. Literally, I couldn't move. Um, I stayed in Madison, Wisconsin on Monday. On Tuesday, I had my flight scheduled. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. The only place, the only thing that was comfortable was for me to lay on like a hardwood floor or some type of cement on my back. So I knew I had to get from Madison to Chicago, then Chicago to Houston. Um, And so I just remember sitting down on the first flight from Madison to Chicago and I just started bawling. And so I got through the liftoff and as soon as the seatbelt light came off, I stood up and I walked back to the bathroom and the flight attendant said, oh, the bathroom's open. Like you can go out and use it. And I just, I was like, I started bawling. I was like, I don't need to use the restroom. She's like, oh, I'm really sorry. And I was crying, just bawling at this point. I was in so much pain. She was like, I'm really sorry. You, um, you're going to have to sit down then. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like I can't sit, even though it was a 45 minute flight. Long story short, she ended up letting me stand. Same thing happened on the flight from Chicago to Houston, obviously a much longer flight, but they let me stand next to the bathroom the entire flight, which, I mean, I guess you're not supposed to do that because you're not supposed to congregate. Right. They just kind of let me, um, uh, from the, the Uber ride home from the airport was about an hour and 15 minutes. I just laid on the backseat of the Uber the entire time, just bawling. Um, that was, so that was Tuesday. I was home by Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. They had me in for an MRI. They had it read by Friday morning. And the MRI was read as a 10 millimeter herniation unilateral uh, only on the right side. So they were like, great, awesome. Like, you know, you're in a lot of pain, but it's only sitting on your right side, sciatica. Like we can, we're going to help you. We're actually, so they, um, that following Monday, they put me in for an epidural. My first back shot ever in my whole life, an epidural. Um, And I was in, they gave me the shot. 
within three minutes, um, I was in so much excruciating pain that they gave me two total shots in a 45 minute period. I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk um, the pain got severely worse for the next 72 hours. Turns out that the MRI was misread. It was actually an 18 millimeter herniation bilateral, oh completely flattened my right side sciatica, completely compressed my left side. So when they put extra fluid in there, all it did was compress the nerve roots more. Oh, um, so then seven days after that, they pushed it through my insurance as an emergency back surgery. And they had me under the knife seven days later. Um, that was a microendoscopic discectomy. Yeah. Within 10 weeks of that, the disc reherniated uh, simply from walking. And then I was in pain every day. Um, I didn't want to do the back fusion. Finally, I was convinced to do the back fusion. I had my back fused L5S1 mm-hmm. on June 8th of this year, 2020. Wow. So I don't know how many months Crazy that was Crazy road to yeah. that. Yeah. What's life like for you now after fusion with training and everything else? So I'm still not training. Um... I play a lot of tennis. I play a lot of pickleball. My right foot and my right calf are still completely numb. Okay. Um, and that happened. That was um, part of the microendoscopic yeah. disectomy from the first surgery. So my foot and my calf are still completely numb. Um, I can feel the screws in my back. So if you run your finger along my spine, you can actually feel the screws. Um, I have still have incision pain. So we're not quite six months out. We're five months out, I think. Yeah. A little less than five months out. Um, I still have incision pain. It's rare for me to get the um, nerve pain, but they also have me on Lyrica right now. Yeah. Um, so gabapentin didn't work for me. Um, so they put me on the other kind of like neurological nerve pain drug. So they put me on Lyrica. That's helped a lot. Yeah. Um, I since back surgery, I I've lifted some just for fun, um, and I got released. By my surgeon at 12 weeks out to basically like free range as long as it doesn't hurt to do it yeah. um so i think i snatched like 120 or 125 um just for fun um just to see what would happen but like i said i mostly i play a lot of tennis right now i play a lot of pickleball mm-hmm. um i'm still coaching full-time so i demo all the movements but not with much weight <laughs> yep um yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it seems like you're fighting through a lot of this and trying to, you know, just live your life. And I mean, that's all you really can do at this point in time, right, is continue to live your life and continue to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people who have had back fusions, and they're so scared to do anything. Yeah. Um, I was back on a tennis court four weeks after surgery. Yeah. Um, I sat, literally sat on a bench, and my coach hand-fed me balls so that I was my shoulder was against the bench, so there was absolutely no rotation. I still had my back brace on. I had all those things. I was seated, um, but I'm not the person that is going to be like consistent, right? So right. the first week after surgery, um, I was in a morphine coma for seven days. So I was sleeping 21 hours a day, and they had me awake for three hours a day. The three hours a day that I would be awake, I was either eating or I was with the physical therapist, and then I would sleep 21 hours a day for the first seven days. Yeah. They released me from the hospital after that. And then I spent the following week on bed rest. Um, so I was, I laid on my couch in my living room. Um, people brought me food. Um, my friends would come pick me up and take me to the gym for an hour a day. And just so I could sit there and like be around people. Yeah. But again, I was sleeping about 18 hours a day and I was only awake about six hours a day the second week. Um, by the third week, it was a lot better. I was sleeping about 12 hours a day, awake mm-hmm. about 12. 
Um, again, not moving much, but now I was starting to go to the gym like two or three hours a day. Again, not doing anything but sitting there. Um, I started coaching three weeks out from surgery. Um, I would actually sit in an office chair roller and like roll myself around. Um, at that point, I was still in my back brace. I couldn't stand for more than about 15 minutes at a time without wow. having to sit down for about an hour. Uh, if I would go, if I would go to the gym for two hours, I would have to lay on the couch for like for like six hours or so for recovery before I could get up and actually move again. Um, by week four, um, by the end of week four, that's when I was out on the tennis court again for about 60 minutes, uh, twice a week, just sitting on the bench, no rotation, no anything, just literally getting to be outside. Um, by six weeks, I was starting to do about 30 minutes a day of tennis where I was on my feet. So it was about yeah. 60 minutes seated, 30 minutes. Um, standing. I was also coaching about three or four hours a day, uh, five days a week at that point. Again, mostly sitting down in a chair. Um, by eight weeks, new members at the gym that would come in, they had no idea that I had had any type of surgery. So mm-hmm. um, I was doing strict pull-ups by eight weeks out. Um, I was doing push-ups. Um, I was doing air squats. I was doing all those things by eight weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um. I started moving weight, lightweight, about 20 pounds by about 10 weeks out. Yeah. And then I said at 12 weeks, I got released to do anything that I wanted. Wow. So, but I can't, I went in with a very strong, I mean, I was just very strong mentally and physically going into surgery. Yeah. So, um, I didn't lose a lot. Right. Right. During surgery or post-surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't eat like shit. So I didn't, it wasn't like... <laughs> a lot of people, it kills me as a head coach when someone comes in and I talk to them and I'm like, oh, well, what, you know, how's your life been? Or I don't yeah. know, just asking them anything. They're like, well, you know, it really started to go downhill about a year ago when I had shoulder surgery. I was like, well, what do you mean it went downhill? I was like, oh, well, I gained 30 pounds and I, this and the other thing. And I was like, yeah. to me, that's just crazy. I've been through three <laughs> major surgeries in three years. Um, and at the end of the day, like, it's a choice to. Yeah to um to do that honestly to yourself and that sounds that might sound harsh and sound mean but it's your choice whether you want to sit on the couch and eat pizza every day or whether you want to go find a coach or a physical therapist or a chiropractor or someone that you trust find someone who has either been through what you've been through or knows all the research and the knows everything behind it and can safely start to move you again yeah um, after shoulder surgery, I was back in a gym three days after shoulder surgery yep. and I was on an air bike just with my legs only, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't, there's a, it's your choice to, to like sit and mope after surgery or right. it's your choice to do something about it. Yeah. Do yeah. your physical therapy, do your yeah. rehab, do all that stuff and, and be able to get back to the things you love a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's not, even if something is tragic as a rotator cuff repair or a you know a lumbar fusion or something like that right even something as simple as i like pulled my hamstring oh okay well i'm done for three four weeks and then that right. same kind of downhaul that that just kind of slippery slope down happens right yeah but pulling a hamstring sweet so yeah. then for three four weeks i'm gonna i'm gonna focus on you know what i don't have a pull-up so for three or four weeks i'm gonna try and get a pull-up yeah i'm gonna do all this extra accessory work um i have all of my members so i took over or not took over. I was the first head coach ever at fit stop. So they kind of created this position for me. And it's been a year and a couple of months now that I took that over. And yeah. I had to retrain the athletes at fit stop that like, Hey, just because you have an injury, come to class. Yeah. Right. I'm 
all of the coaches are knowledgeable enough that if you come to me and say, hey, Sheila, there's burpees today, but my wrist is really bothering me, I'm yeah. going to give you alternatives right. where you're going to get the same stimulus that I want and that I need. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need to be out of the gym for a week because yeah. your wrist is bothering you. Yeah. Um, like if you're willing to work, I will work with you. Most coaches Absolutely. Right. We'll work with you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of like the, you know, one of, one of the hallmarks of a good coach is being able to think on your toes and kind of, you know, reprogram around what's in front of you, you know, and I don't know too many coaches that don't have some capacity to do that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so being on the topic of coaching with your kind of, you know, own personal fitness journey and background, has your coaching philosophy changed throughout all of that? Or has, how has your kind of coaching philosophy or kind of the way that you coach, um, you know, maybe developed and changed over the course of the past few years? Oh, absolutely. My, I mean, I, when I get bored of coaching, I will quit. Right? I will go find <laughs> another job. Um, I, I talk to people about this all the time. Like never going to be rich coaching. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I live a comfortable life. I can yeah. pay my bills and that's awesome. And I don't need more than that. Um, but I'm never going to be a multimillionaire coaching. It's sure. just not <laughs> like I could go get a different profession and sit behind a desk for eight hours a day, five days a week and make more money, but that's not why I do it. Right. right? Um, with that being said, my coaching is constantly changing and evolving and growing. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess when I stop learning and I stop enjoying that process of learning and then reteaching, yeah, that's when I'm gonna quit. That's when I'm gonna I'm not gonna coach anymore. Um, and the owners of Fitstop know that too. That if I'm not constantly challenged, if every day every single one of my athletes came in and yeah. they were all healthy, all injury free, all happy, all like all these things, and they all knew how to do double unders, and they all knew how to do soda bars, and they all knew how to run correctly, and they all knew how to squat correctly and all those things, mm -hmm. I would be bored and I would quit. I don't care. You don't, you can't pay me enough money yeah. to um, be a cheerleader. Yeah. I don't want to cheer people on. I don't want to like, Oh, you're doing so good for an hour. Yeah. Oh uh, no. Um, I want to fix human movement. Yeah. And so I've been lucky enough to be coached under some of the best coaches in the entire world in their respective fields. Yeah. So I've been coached under, um, Olympian weightlifters. I've been coached under Olympian gymnasts. I've been coached under world champion kettlebell instructors. Um, I've been coached under some of the very best CrossFit coaches in the entire world. Yeah. Um, I've had running coaches who are Ironman champions and it's, if you're willing to seek out the best in the world, um, or at least the best in to your availability, whether that's yeah. in San Antonio, in Texas, in the United States, um, I'm yeah. lucky enough that I've been able to travel the world. So I've been lucky and, and travel the country and move when I want that. I've been lucky enough to yeah. follow coaches that maybe um, sometimes I'm like, I shouldn't be coached under these people because I don't feel like I'm qualified as an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the coaches that I always learn the most from. And those are the coaches who um, once they realize that I'm just there to learn and I'm not like, I don't have an ego. I'm not, I'm not there to impress them yeah. um, with how much weight I can lift or how fast I can run. I want the small technical details. That's how I like being coached. That yeah. has, that's how I coach. So it's not good enough for me when an athlete comes in and they 
can snatch a hundred pounds with shitty form. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't impress me. Right. What impresses me is someone who comes in and lifts 45 pounds with the most beautiful technique I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That to me is so, because that means yeah. they took the time to actually develop like, neural pathways that matter. Yeah. Um, and if you just muscle through shit, that's how you're going to end up injured. It. For sure. So that to me, like I'm, <laughs> I'm never, honestly, I will never be impressed never with how be much cheerleader. And never, yeah. I'm never going to be yeah. impressed with you lifting a lot of weight if you do it with shitty form Yep. and I'm never going to be your cheerleader. I'm never just going to like tell you that you did good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I don't, I will never be that athlete. If a coach, if I go into a gym and, um, they're like, Oh my God, Sheila, your squat form is perfect. I know my squat form is not perfect, right? Yep. It's pretty good. Like it's, but there's always something like a reminder. Hey, Sheila, push your big toe down into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Sheila, can you make sure that your back's not overarched? Whatever that looks like. Um, yeah. I know that not every rep is perfect. So if I do 100 reps and you're like, Sheila, every single one of those is perfect. I'm like, cool, you're not the coach for me. Yeah. I want somebody who's going to who's gonna help me grow as not only an athlete, but as a human, yeah. right? Because at 90, I still want to be able to sit down and stand up on my own. Yeah. Still want to be able to squat, right? This right. sitting down, standing up. So. That's kind of my theory and my way of coaching is that um, I will praise you for doing well, but I'm also going to correct you along the way, right? Little wins are super (laughs) important, um, but none of us move perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously dealing with whatever precautions you have left over from surgery and things like that. Is there anything in particular that has your attention right now when it comes to like geeking out on human movement or anything that you're really trying to focus on? Um, So I have obviously with back issues, I've been, I do a lot of my own rehab, all this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and I'm constantly doing it on my own. So there's actually, I saw, um, I was doing some research. One of my athletes has had lower back pain, but the problem is she has lower back pain that moves. Okay. So it'll start like today, literally she came to me today and she, she it feels like a pinching in the middle of my back, like mm-hmm. inner spine, which she's never had before. Sometimes she'll say like, oh, it feels like it's kind of by like my SI joint, it's by my QL, it's by wherever. And she knows human anatomy pretty well. So yeah. she can kind of direct me where this, but her pain in her back is constantly moving. Yeah. So I, for the last couple of weeks, I've had to do a lot of the basic things like, hey, let's do some bird dogs. Um, You know, let's do some glute bridges. Let's strengthen that posterior chain. Sure. Um, And it has not worked, right? So her, the back pain is still moving and shifting around. So a week ago, I started doing some research and, and basically it started talking about how you can strengthen the lower back all you want and stretch out the hip flexors all you want. Mm -hmm. But if your back pain is not going away, then maybe what you should do, which I should have thought about a year ago. Maybe what you should do is actually try to strengthen the hip flexors to re-put your hips where they're supposed to be. Yeah. I was like, damn it. Like, why? <laughs> like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know, a year ago, right? Like, we, yeah. I think about that all the time about the antagonist muscles. What do I need to strengthen and what do I need to stretch? And then if that doesn't right. work, how do I strengthen the opposite and, and yeah. stretch the other one, right? So I, it was like kind of that light bulb of like, why? <laughs> like, why didn't I think of that? That's so easy. And so... Then I found a couple of really cool new exercises um, that I'm having her start this week, right? And yeah. so in two or three weeks, we'll like, hey, is this working? Is it not working? And then I can readjust from there. Um, and so again, my style of coaching is very trial and error. Yeah, A lot of, um, I have no formal degree in any type of science, right? Yeah. Um, so everything that I know is through self-study and through my own human body, like my own injuries, my own rehab, being coached. Um, 
or the research that I've done on my own. So never taken, literally never taken an anatomy class. Yeah. Um, but I will argue that I know anatomy better than a lot of kinesiology majors. Sure. Um, I've never taken a biology class, but I know a lot about how the muscle cells work and like actually strengthening mitochondria to rate the powers and like stupid things like that, where um, I don't learn from books, but um, now here we are just from experience, experience. And, trial and error. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, even with low back pain, there's so many things that go around, like you're saying, with it kind of jumps around all these different places, right? The one thing that we kind of do right here is we, we never chase pain around. Right. And if you, if you get, if you chase pain, all the different places it goes, you're never going to win in the pain game. Mm -hmm. So it's always kind of sticking to those principles that you know, and you know, that work well, and then just trying to figure out, like you said, along the way, like, okay, well, this didn't work. What's the next step? This didn't work. Okay. What's the next step? And yeah. you know, you get quicker and quicker and quicker at it as you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah. Last question I have for you. Cool. For people who are listening, we always like to give an actionable step to or a habit or something along those lines from your that you would like to give to them. So what is one action step our listeners can take today to improve their health and fitness habits? One step. Oh, I mean, there's Just honestly, one, there's, right? I know, there's a lot. I guess, so, um, my biggest thing is warm up and cool down. Yeah. Like I just, my, at least for my athletes, I force them to warm up. Um, yeah. Whether you're doing a PT with me or you're in a class with me or whatever that looks like. If um, you're just coming to me and you need a quick, hey, Sheila, my shoulder's kind of bothering me. I'm not just going to throw a five pound weight into your hand and be like, cool, internal, yeah. external rotation, things like that. Um, I'm going to give you some non-weighted things, anything to warm that up yeah. and then make sure I call it the victory lap. Um, so after I'm done with a personal like client or if I'm in the group, my, all of my members and my clients, they have to take a victory lap. So this is your chance to remind yourself how blessed you are just to get to be where you are today. Right? Yeah. Like there are literally no billions, especially during COVID billions of people who wish that they could be in a gym right now. Um, that can't be either right. their gym is shut down or they're sick or their entire like Austria just reshut down. So I work with a gym in Austria. Mm -hmm. Um, I do all their programming for them. And this week they, Aust the Austrian government shut everything down again for two weeks. Jeez. They, all they want to do is <laughs> be in a gym and yeah. try to be healthy. Right. So, right. um, I guess the most important things for me are make sure you warm up, whether you're, if you're going for a mile jog, warm up for your mile jog. Like if that's your exercise for the day, um, and then make sure you, that you, you're proud of what you did. So the victory lap is literally just a walk. Yeah. It's your chance to be, to tell yourself how proud you are of yourself, how much stronger physically, mentally, and emotionally you got just by showing up to something that, um, is hard and showing up to the gym is hard some days, It is whether you're a coach or an athlete or it's your job or it's your fun place. Um, be proud that you're getting stronger mentally, physically, and emotionally and, and, um, enjoy the process. Yeah. It's great advice for sure. <laughs> it's my life. Yeah. Welcome. Know, right. I know it's super, super hard to kind of turn it down to one thing, but you know, the one thing that we find a lot of time is if we go overload someone with a bunch of different things at once, then nothing gets done. Right. Facts. So what's that one thing that you can do that one thing that you, is that one keystone habit that will just kind of propel everything else along the way. But that's sure. an awesome starting point for sure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. <laughs>
It's your one-stop guide to all things health and wellness. This free guide gives you the exact steps to take so that you can start and stick to living the healthy lifestyle you've always wanted. That's available for free on my website, www.theperformancerepublic.com. It's also available on our social pages. When you sign up, I'll also include our pain relief guide as an added bonus. So whether you're working through injury, developing your fitness routine, or optimizing your lifestyle, we will support you every single step of the way. All you have to do is sign up today at www.theperformancerepublic.com. Don't wait to get your PR Life Roadmap today.